The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, August 3rd. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by Chris, the Welsh. Today on the show, what the heck is going on with Joe Ryan? Chaz McCormick continues to destroy baseballs, and we have big injury updates on Bobachet and, unfortunately, Shane O'Mac, Shane McClanahan. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. Let's jump right in. Holy cow! How about that? Welsh, holy cow. Who you got? Player of the night or. Bad performance of the night. Yeah, mine is a little bit on that front, and uh, I got one for you, and I think Frank like this. Lucas Giolito. Oh, no. Oh, no, Lucas Giolito. Things not looking good after that trade. Things nobody wanted to see. Lucas Giolito got lit up for nine earned runs in this one. He had 10 total swinging strikes. It wasn't good. Four-seam fastball, no whiffs. Slider had the stuff. Frank, I went and looked at the um, the illustrator for you know his, uh, his zone coverage and the balls. I counted eight fastballs that successfully touched, like really touched the strike zone. Three others that hugged it, fastballs all over the place. Sliders hit one part of the, I guess it'd be the left side of the zone, sat there, change up all over the place. Lucas Giolito, breaking news, he's a mess and it's just not getting fixed. And it's been, he has been consistently inconsistent this whole year. And this is the worry that you had in the payup. This is why the price wasn't exponential for Lucas Giolito. And the pitch mix hasn't worked. The command is all over the place. The walks have been absolutely absurd this entire year with him. And this is going to be, this is a bad trend in a lot of different spots. And, you know, we got some people that are screaming about Joe Ryan, like you said, in other places. Lucas Giolito is putting himself in a spot that I think we really have to question how much you can trust him down the line. You know, there's going to be plenty of leagues where there's not going to be better options. But you're looking at a four and a half expected ERA, a barrel percentage that is exponentially higher than it has been at any point in his career. His walks are over eight right now, and hard hit is the hardest since his rookie year. And put on top of all of that, the walks say, hey, it's eight, but the command is all over the place. The pitch mix is a disaster. That changeup was blech today. I just don't feel good about Giolito moving forward, and I just, you know, maybe this is like everybody already feels this way, but I think you're in a spot where you really have to pick and choose where you want to put him out there. And I'm looking for pretty heavy swing and miss teams that are maybe going to mask some of the walks and get some of those strikeouts. Today was pretty, pretty gross. Pretty gross indeed. 
one of the toughest matchups, if not the toughest matchup for a pitcher this season going up against the Atlanta Braves. It's just really tough for someone like Giolito, who already allows a lot of hard contact, going up against a team that makes the most hard contact in yeah. all of baseball. So uh, there have been lots of blow-up starts this year. Giolito, the third time he's allowed seven or more earned runs uh, this season. He's also allowed two or more home runs in four of his past seven starts. Two home runs or more in four of his past seven starts. So he puts the ball in the air, hard contact. The walks have been an issue. You highlighted all this stuff, and we were talking beforehand. Giolito is one of these pitchers. He tinkers a lot. He changes with the yeah. pitch mix, and he struggles with control, and he just kind of seems like he is looking for something right now. And I, I, I don't know that you're going out there and you're dropping Giolito, but I think for the time being, I mean, next week he's facing the Giants. Not that they're like a great lineup by any means, but – you know, they're pesky at times, so I, I think I'm okay saying, yes, let's bench Giolito until we see maybe a, a string of good starts together here. I, yeah, I mean, I was kind of implying, like, there might be some formats where it's like, listen, you just don't need to do this anymore. He had that June. June was great. He had a sub-3 ERA. Every month since then, it has been over four. The walks have been gross. And he's 100%. A, I think a matchup-based pitcher the rest of the way. I, there's not going to be any major confidence if there's a, a hard-hitting team there. But, yeah, like you said, I, I was telling you off-air, kind of wish there was just somebody that could take control. And I'm not saying this hasn't happened before, because what do I know? I haven't been around Lucas Giolito in every point of his life in, in his baseball career. Maybe there have been coaches that have sat down and really worked, but my impression of kind of being around and, and just his approach has been he takes care of this. In the offseason, he goes to driveline. He changes the way he pitches. You know, he is changing the way he delivers the ball. If it's inside really much or however it is, he gains weight, loses, what do you lose, 70 pounds or whatever, insane amount of weight. He, just up and down. He's always trying different things. I wish there was someone that was like, stop it. Like, this is what you do. I, I, I feel like someone needs to take control of this clay and they need to mold it in a way that he doesn't have control of it but that is just my perception and it doesn't help us for this year so yeah i think you got to really watch the matchups like you said giants not even the best right now because he really can hurt your ratios like sure he can get 10 strikeouts cool he has an off an awesome offense with shohei otani behind him but i don't trust him and he is he's one of these guys that's single-handedly going to blow up your ratios and i don't like that especially at this time of the year 97% rostered for Giolito on CBS. He's only started in 62% of leagues, so some people already started benching mm. him. The names that we've talked about the past couple of days as waiver wire pitchers, Seth Lugo, Nick Pavetta had that double-digit strikeout start on Monday, and Andrew Heaney had 11 strikeouts yesterday. Uh, would you drop Giolito for any of those? Oh, uh, man, would I drop? You know what? I think we're getting to the point. That we do this in a lot of fantasy where sometimes it's a put up or shut up where it's just like, you know what? You just got to make the moves. You got to bite the bullet. I don't think the worst move on the planet is to drop him for Andrew Heaney. Do you? Like Nick Pavetta, well, it's getting there. Like maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But like, is it the worst to go with that offense? I know Heaney has gone through kind of a stretch. Really hoping he's going to have that back. The offense is starting to get back going. Texas Rangers are finding themselves again. Do you... Do you think you could pull the trigger on the Heaney one or that's that criminal to drop Giolito for him? Because I don't. I don't think it's criminal, but they seem like very similar pitchers. So. <laughs> very similar. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Like <laughs> you kind of you could get the same line from either one of those guys. So then it's like, OK, if they are similar, you want the track record of Giolito or do you want that offensive support of the Rangers? Yeah, I, I think I would just stick with Giolito there. I think the one yeah, I might right. do it for is Seth Lugo. I, I've just become the Seth really? Lugo stan on this podcast. Go look at his numbers, Welsh. He's just rock solid. Mid threes cool. ERA, a sub 1.2 whip, right around a strikeout per inning. He doesn't kill you. He's not going to throw a complete game. He's going to give you six solid innings every time out. And I think he's one of the most under-rostered players on CBS. He's 71%. He has RP eligibility, so if you play in a points league, you have that spark factor as well. I uh, Look, again, if you just want like a higher floor pitcher, I, I could see doing it for him i probably wouldn't do it for any of those other names one name i was going to say for later on grayson rodriguez he's up to 77 percent rostered uh he was mm -hmm. solid at the blue jays on wednesday five and two-thirds innings three runs six strikeouts uh and four starts since returning 357 era 102 whip would you drop giolito for grayson rodriguez yeah see now you're kind of getting to where i'm starting to look 
Yeah, I think I would. And I don't know if people wouldn't like that. I mean, the Velo was back up again, you know, from season averages, it's up like a mile and a half. Everything was up by a mile or more half on the overall averages. Fastball was slanging. Uh, He changed up the mix. He actually went like heavier fastball in this game. Had a 67% zone percentage on it. And uh, you need to get a little bit more on like outside of the zone swing. It was only 17%. But he went heavier on that today. And then he went a little bit more on like slider changeup. And those became more effective. So like if your fastball is effective, he can throw more of them. And then he can punch these guys out with the changeup and slider. Which those two pitches, which I'm doing the math, equated to 34% of his usage. Those had eight strikeouts. Both uh, changeup with a 33%. Uh, swing and whiff 63 on the slider eight of five swing or five of eight swings uh, were missed so I think the way he's trending and the way this team is trending I would go with Grayson Rodriguez but I'm also not gonna like deny that they also might be similar players I think the upside though is the highest with Grayson Rodriguez even in this year because I don't think you're seeing any cap type of stuff but he also just might be like the younger sexier sleeker version of what Giolito has been in the past and maybe he could be but he's not showing any signs of it. So that's why I'm kind of anti-Giolito right now. All right, well, let's slide over to another pitcher who's been struggling, Joe Ryan. Looks like he is just broken right now. He allowed four more home runs at the St. Louis Cardinals here on Wednesday. He allowed seven runs total, over four innings pitched. Still got a bunch of whiffs. He got the strikeout. That's what he's been doing. But lots of hard contact. We know that he puts a lot of balls in the air, lots of fly balls here for Joe Ryan pitching up in the zone. But all of a sudden, he has allowed... 17 home runs over his last seven starts. 17 home <laughs> runs in seven starts. I mean, it, it sounds like a home run derby, right? I mean, it's. Uh, uh, Pete Alonso would be like, please, I need you as my uh, BP thrower, please. It is crazy stuff. And all of a sudden, the ratios on the season for Joe Ryan 443 ERA. The whip Man. still looks solid at 1.13, but 1.8 home runs per nine. That's fifth most among qualified starting pitchers. Well, so what do we do uh, with Joe Ryan? The problem here is next week, he's in line for two starts at the Tigers and at the Phillies. A lot of times we say, look, if you can't start a pitcher in a two-star week where one of them is against the Tigers, you probably shouldn't even roster that pitcher. Yeah, that's like put that on the gravestone. You're like, if you can't start against the Tigers, um, I'm probably I'm probably still going to throw him out there. You know, I mean, from a season total perspective, the walks are still low. He's got a full run better expected ERA than that ERA is. This game is weird. I, I would be curious about like what was going on from a pitch usage, stand, usage standpoint. Uh, the fastball has been 57%, split finger 28%, with sweeper 10% on the year. But this game, he went heavy sweeper. But here's my problem. It was ineffective. It had a 14% uh, whiff rate on it. And he had that more than the splitter. Like the splitter has maybe just like come down a little bit as well. 21% CSW percentage. Um, It wasn't sitting in the zone and it had a 9% outside the zone swing percentage. This is sometimes what you worry about guys that are going to rely heavy, like on splitters as well. If this was my uh, Casey Mize thing from a long time ago, if you're dependent on that and guys aren't swinging at it, you have to be effective in other places. Obviously, the splitter is not effective right now. 9% outside of the zone swing percentage. So he's going to his other pitches, which are not flying. It's one of those fastballs we all kind of make excuses for a little bit. And the sweeper just wasn't doing anything. It's at a 34% whiff rate, highest of any pitch on the season. But yet, as I just told you, today it was 14%. No one was swinging at that. No one needed to swing at the split finger. And that just leaves a fastball to be kind of messed up. So can he fix it? I don't know. He's been a good pitcher on the totality of the year. So I tend to want to lean on that. But you do have to question a little bit. It's just those matchups next week are it's pretty decent. You know, strikeout guys in Philly and Detroit, like you said, you got to do that. This might be do or die. You know what? Let it be do or die the first week in August to make your decisions if he is going to be someone that I know some people are freaking out and cutting him, but if you need to start worrying about matchup plays with him and making moves like that, let this be the decision instead of it being in a month from now when it's playoff time, it's critical, critical time for your ratios and stuff like that for getting into playoffs or whatever it is. If you're in your roto spot, 
let this be the determination if he is broken for the rest of the year and there's no much there's no more time to fix it or if this can get fixed i'd love to see the splitter be a little bit more effective those are the things i'll be looking for this week i will start him just out of spite to see if it works at the tigers man in comerica yeah man as a fly ball pitcher i mean, it does not get better than that matchup at the phillies you know, if it's a warm day, the ball flies out there too. But, you know, that's a lineup that's struggled for a lot of this season as well. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think it's one last try last week. Let's see what happens with Joe Ryan. But you know, One last hurrah, baby. Let's we were, go. We were just talking this way, not not to this extent, about Framber Valdez, though, right? Like his previous oh, yeah. five starts before this, he had a seven ERA. And then what happens? He comes out and he throws a no-hitter. Granted, he's more established. He's a different pitcher. He gets ground balls. I get it. It's not apples to apples here with Joe Ryan. But... Let's not forget what Joe Ryan did earlier in the season as well. He was super dominant. So I understand the frustrations. I say let's throw him out one more time next week with those two starts at the Tigers and at the Phillies. And if he lets us down, then we're, we're really making some tough decisions here on Joe Ryan. The last name of these three that struggled big time on Wednesday, Dylan Cease. He was crushed at the Texas Rangers. <laughs> one and two-thirds innings. That's right. He recorded five outs. He gave up seven hits, seven runs, three walks to one strikeout here, and the ERA has ballooned up to 461. He's got a 1.4 whip on the season now. Still well over a strikeout per inning. And he had that stretch from May to June where it looked like it was coming together. But he's been inconsistent once again. Over his last six starts, we're looking at a 637 ERA for Dylan Cease. Babbitt is up over 400, allowing lots of hard contact. The problem here as well is he's got two starts next week. He's facing the Yankees and he's at home against the Brewers. Well, your thoughts on Dylan Cease? Not feeling great about it. This is, you know, like any of these other guys, you know, looking at this last start, not a ton of anything outside of a fastball sitting inside the zone. His slider, dead red middle. If he was throwing a slider for a strike, it is right in the money zone. And then when he's throwing this knuckle curve, kind of same thing, right in the zone. Fastball all around. And then everything else is just like a, it's a, like a, a an artistic you know i'm gonna cover my eyes and throw paint against the wall like that's what his paint pitch mix looks like right now and he it's it's like giolito it's like a better version of giolito with that same mix he can go 10 he can lose it he seems to be losing it right now you and i were kind of anti dylan c skies going into this year and best thing that could have happened to him is if that dodger rumored trade could have ended up happening and they could have worked through and fixed him because the white Sox. I mean, look at the mess that they're spreading around the league, the cancer of players that are moving around and Giolito's taking his stuff to the Angels and God knows where Lance Lynn is going to look like long term for this. So I don't feel optimistic about Dylan Cease. I don't feel what were the, what was the matchup again? The two Yankees and Brewers. <sighs> He's not a guaranteed must start in, in a two pitch that that's not a guarantee. I, I don't I don't know if I want to start him in either one of those. Brewer, Brewers, the strikeout numbers could get really big if I'm chasing that, but I don't like that Yankee matchup. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Yankees lineup has been pretty bad, but if there's one thing that they can do, it's hit home runs when they get hot. We saw that here on yeah, you know Wednesday. Stanton hit a home run. Volpe hit a home run. Judge is back. We'll see if he's still Judge. here by next week. But uh, yeah, the, the difference between Dylan Cease and Joe Ryan is that we didn't, we haven't seen him be great this season. We saw Joe Ryan be great this season. Dylan Cease was great last year. We haven't really seen much of that Dylan Cease so far this year. Again, there was a short stretch in there, but walks a big issue, fly balls, home runs, hard contact. It's This makes Dylan Cease and someone like Lucas Giolito very volatile starting pitchers. So uh, I would say of the three, probably more so because of the matchups than anything, I, I'm probably going to start Joe Ryan, but Dylan Cease and Giolito, man, I... I, I think I'd be all right just not dropping, but I think benching at, at least for the four seed. But if you Giolito. had to drop one, I think it would be Giolito. Giolito, yeah. Yeah. I think okay. so. Uh, oh, my goodness gracious for me, uh, 20 minutes in. But hey. it's all right. We had to talk about these pitchers because they're on everyone's mind right now. Chaz McCormick, two for three with two socks and a shoe. That's right. Two mm. home runs and a stolen base in this game. He's up to 15 homers, 12 steals on the year, also batting 286 with a 922 OPS. And over his last. 46 games. This is nearly a two-month stretch now. Chaz McCormick batting 323, 13 home runs, eight steals during that time. The walk rate, solid this year, 10%. Strikeout rate, a touch high. Uh, his average exit velocity, it's solid. What he does is he barrels the ball up. 12% barrel rate. 
That is very strong. 79th very percentile good. this year. He is a right-handed batter who plays in Houston. Uh, I know last time I said this, he doesn't just pull everything. He actually you know, does hit some home runs up the middle into the opposite way. But as a right-handed batter with those Crawford boxes in left field, uh, it's something that he could take advantage of. Still only 73% rostered. And I am a man that could admit mistakes, Welsh. I can admit when I'm wrong. The YouTube chat a couple of weeks ago, they were all over Chaz McCormick. They were yelling at us every day. Talk about Chaz McCormick. Talk about Chaz McCormick. And I'm like, ah, come on, man. This isn't real. It's Chaz McCormick, whatever. But man, he, he absolutely looks like the real deal right now. So shout out to those who are on him. Uh, you know, I'm kind of late to the party here. 73% rostered. I think he's absolutely a must add. If he's out there, even a three outfielder league, even in a points league, I mean, if he's out there, you got to get McCormick on your team. You know that I, I told you guys about that new kind of format that I was playing around with where to try to keep people, uh, the league mates that we had interested, our home league, interested the whole year. You know, oh, I'm losing. I don't care about my roster anymore. We split it into half. The first season was Roto. The second season was head to head. So you got a playoff run. Keeps everybody excited. We redrafted Chaz McCormick. Not what was not a pickup. He was a full draft player for me. And early on in the season, that early attempt, especially the Astros uh, broadcasting was talking about how he's had the green light and he's running more, running more. Then the power started to pick up. And I've got like, I should have gone and looked beforehand, but I have a pretty big bench. I, I took a shot on like, you know, the Jorge Polanco's. I think I had Tyler O'Neill and I got a couple other guys in that redraft here. I cannot take Chaz McCormick out of my lineup to exactly what you said. I'm actually trying to look right here what the roster is. Um, I can't get him out of this lineup if I wanted to. Um, yeah, I can't even pull this up. I can't even find this bad boy. But to say the least, yes, the chat, you guys owe, uh, you're owed a lot of credit here. And Chaz McCormick has been awesome. There's a lot of sustainable stuff. I love the barrel rate. I actually found it here. So it's like I got James Outman, Leody Taveras. Those are the other two that are on the bench. I can't put either one of those guys in. And both are double-digit homer and stolen bases right now. I can't get those guys in. I have Josh Lowe, Henry Davis, Brian Reynolds. Chaz McCormick is my second best outfielder, maybe arguably right now the best outfielder on that team. So he is a absolute must-play the rest of the year. And low-key is going to be massively valuable by the end of the year. I've got four names written down here, Welsh, that are all still rostered in more than 85% of CBS leagues. They're rostered in more leagues than Chaz McCormick. Would you, right. would you drop any of these for old Chazzy boy? Teoscar Hernandez. Thoughts? Yes. I think so, too. Yep. Alex Verdugo has really slowed down since the start of July. What do you think? Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Verdugo. Bye-bye. Uh, this one might be a little bit tougher. He hit a home run here on Wednesday, his 10th home run of the year. He's been kind of up and down since getting recalled Jordan Walker. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to say Jordan Walker, but I would have been more confident if they would have moved one of those outfielders. I was so assured, like, Tyler O'Neill was going to go. Dylan Carlson didn't go. So there's still kind of a dirty mess out there of players. <laughs> uh, it might be, Chaz McCormick might be the right answer. You know what? Nope, screw it. Chaz McCormick. I'm staying. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with Chaz. He is I'm trying just, to get the I'm trying to get the comment. I have no idea what the YouTube has been saying about me this whole season. Trying to get him on my side. Get you guys <laughs> on my side. Let's go. Chaz McCormick. Who's the fourth one? I'm picking him. The last name here. Juan Succo. We'll go Chaz McCormick. Let's go. <laughs> Josh Lowe. Still 87% oh, rostered. Um uh, uh, he is really struggling. I mean, the, the split stuff. Doesn't I'm play, gonna go Josh Lowe. Doesn't go play Josh every Lowe. day. I know. Mm. I'm gonna go Josh Lowe. I'm not even looking. I want to look at anything else right. and change my mind. Right. If I go with Josh Lowe, it might not be right, but please still love me for taking Chaz over the other guys. I'll, I'll take I'll take Chaz over Josh Lowe. Uh, I will do that. I mean, the playing time is so sporadic. Uh, and yeah. look, Chaz is giving you power and speed too. It's not like you know Josh Lowe is giving you this this crazy skill set that Chaz can't give you the way he's played. So seventy three percent rostered. Get him on your teams. Three outfielder leagues, points yeah. leagues. CBS players out there, please go get Chaz McCormick. The chat was right. You guys killed it. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was wrong. Let's take our first break. And when we return, we'll talk about all those injuries. Bo Bichette, Chaz McCormick, uh, not Chaz McCormick, Shane McClanahan. He is just don't you, on my don't mind. Don't do it. Don't you. If you, oh, if you have Chaz is down tomorrow, you're done. I apologize. All right, let's oh do that God. right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, and let's get into those big injuries from Wednesday. And Bo Bichette, we already knew he was dealing with something. He was listed as day-to-day on the trade deadline. Leading up to the trade deadline, they acquire Paul DeYoung, and all of a sudden I start freaking out. I'm like, what's wrong with Bo Bichette? This might be actually a pretty big deal. He was placed on the IL with right patellar tendonitis, and the Blue Jays would not offer a timeline on the injury. So that makes me a little bit worried there about Bo Bichette. Uh, Paul DeYoung was in the lineup batting eighth on Wednesday. So if you do play in a deeper league, we're talking, you know, 15-teamer. I went and checked earlier today. He's available in that league. So if you you lost Bo Bichette in a league that deep, you might just be looking at Paul DeYoung as a replacement for him. Do you uh, want him? Do you want him? I, I mean, he's going to play, right? He's going to play for the Blue Jays. And- How about this? Paul DeYoung or Geraldo Perdomo? I... Probably would take Perdomo. Yeah, it's a little power and speed there. I think the only thing with Perdomo is he's he's like rostered in a good amount of leagues now, I think. Let's see. He's up to, eh, he's 49%. DeYoung, 50. DeYoung, DeYoung is 13%. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, DeYoung's out there, but there's a reason he's out there. Yeah. Because he's like, it's cool that he hits homers, but it's, it's, not, it's not good. Like, I'm not going to, I don't know if anyone has an argument to make for him, like, Knock yourself out, but uh, he hit 300 in April. Otherwise, he's hit like 230 or under for the most part. It's disgusting baseball savant page. He, he's not breaking any. I, I just, I'm not into it. Cool, maybe he'll hit a couple more homers and stuff like that, but I could do better than a 230 batting average shortstop. Not that the Perdomo's amazing, but mm-hmm. you know, OBP, 380, uh, 13 stolen bases, maybe points leak, that doesn't matter quite as much. But uh, I, I guess it's like, it's cool that he's there, but... Maybe there's other options that don't like feel as sexy because you're like, oh, you know, DeYoung is a Blue Jay. I'd rather Perdomo than him. Yeah, uh, the strictly deep leagues on, on Paul DeYoung. Uh, Ezekiel yeah. Duran, uh, Duran, people Duran. Uh, people look like they're dropping him here because he's down to 70% rostered. Feels like he's kind of, you know, fallen off a little bit recently, but the StatCast data was really strong for a lot of the season and... Plays in a really good lineup with the Texas Rangers. So that's, you know, in shallower leagues, 10, 12 team leagues. I think if Duran is out there, you can go ahead and add him. I'm looking at, you know, other names under 70%. Three names in a row here Orlando Arcia, Ezekiel Tovar, the aforementioned Perdomo. Welsh, how would you rank that group? Arcia, Tovar, Perdomo. Um, Okay. I, I think I need to look at Tovar here because I'm going to go Arcia. Purely based on that offense. I mean, RC has been decent, but I'll do that. Easy. We actually did that. Didn't we do that on the show like months and months ago? You asked me uh, Orlando Arcia versus Perdomo. I remember that one. Tovar, maybe a little bit of a wild card. Got up to 10 homers. Good. Five stolen bases. Not great. Expected batting average is about in line. I'll go Arcia, Tovar, Perdomo. That's how I'm going to rank them. Maybe if I need stolen bases, maybe I prioritize Perdomo over Tovar, but I'll put Arcia at the top. Yeah, I think that's the right ranking as well. So I would go Arcia Tovar Perdomo. Uh, if for some reason Duran is out there in your league, go ahead and add him. Uh, and if you play in a deep league, you might have no choice but to go with uh, <laughs> our good friend Paul DeYoung. Um, oh, buddy. Shane O'Mac. The unfortunate news here, Shane McClanahan experienced tightness in his left forearm during Wednesday's start against the Yankees. He'll head back to Tampa on Thursday to be checked out by a team doctor, at which point more details regarding the severity of the injury will be available. He has struggled for quite some time here, Welsh. You know, since going on the IL with the back injury, returning has not looked like himself. Giving up home runs, it's it's not really like him. It's just, he hasn't been himself for a while now, and you know, the same thing kind of happened last year, right? He, you know, second half of the season, those innings start to add up, and he was dealing with the shoulder. This year, it's a little bit different. It's the back, and now it's the forearm. 
Uh, what, what's your concern level here on Shane McClanahan? I think it's got to be pretty high. You know, interestingly enough, too, everything was up today. With, you know, we want to play correlation. Like, hey, it's hurting. Well, fastball was up half a mile. Slider was up almost three miles per hour. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't love that. I Obviously, I don't love it. I'm a huge Shane McClanahan guy. I was like, hey, number one pitcher. Love the team context. He gets wins. He's a bulldog out there. I think the way he attacks the zone with his arsenal is like matched only by Strider's ability to just pump fastballs by anybody, even though you know what's coming. But the injury history is becoming a massive problem. I think it's, it's got to have some effect on the dynasty value long term. Mm-hmm. This is obviously, you know, part of the reason that the Rays were aggressive in getting a guy like Aaron Savali. But also there's a trend here. Like how many of these guys are going to get hurt and we don't look at the team organization who is very hands on? who's very touchy-touchy with these guys. Like, hey, we don't want you to throw as many fastballs. We want you to do this. Um, you know, they had sent Taj Bradley down a while back for losing Velo on the cutter. You know, it's a very Velo-based team that is also adjusting arsenals. Is it something that they're doing when you lose three-fourths of your rotation to, I guess McLean is not like a serious injury yet, but we could argue with the amount of times this is going on, it's getting to the point where it's like, if, we, if this is serious, we're not going to be shocked. And then you've lost Springs, Rasmussen, and him. So, yeah, I'm concerned from a dynasty value perspective. And this is a huge blow if this is anything more than like a normal stint for the rest of your playoff run. Yeah, so I'm looking at the last six starts here for Shane McClanahan, including Wednesday night, a 7.36 ERA. And I think even if everything works out here, Hopefully it does for him, and he's healthy this offseason, and he's healthy going into draft season. Like you said, I think this is something we have to factor in. You just have to kind of, I think, assume at this point that Shane McClanahan's body is not going to hold up over the course of the season until we see him do it. We haven't seen him do it yet, so I think until we see that, we do have to be uh, skeptical. Like you, you would have said prior to this, like prior to like the struggle, Shane McClanahan was like a top three SP in Dynasty, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like right there. Like if you were, oh, I mean, we can also just talk about like redrafting to next year. I know some people it's not helpful, but we can talk about next year and like what that looks like. Can you put him in the top five? Like the production's there, but like, can you start to argue the Zach Allen's? Um, like, like how many guys are you are you very comfortable right now putting over him? McClanahan, so, Strider, clearly. Strider, Garrett Cole. Yep, Cole. Kevin Gosman. Okay. Okay. And Allen. I think knowing what we know right now, I, my, like my top, top five, I'm looking at it, it has Corbin Burns and Zach Allen. That rounds out the top five. Okay, so McClanahan's out. He's out of that top five. And would you say that a decent part of the reason is because of the missed games that you're worried about with him now? Because a healthy Shane McClanahan, though you do, like you got to figure out where the correlation is between the struggles that he's having and then breaking down. Like you can look and be like, you know, he's been struggling and he's starting to throw harder and then he got hurt. Is that him trying to find himself again? If that is what keeps happening, he's going to just keep getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But a healthy Shane McClanahan, you would probably at least put him three on this list. So, yeah, oh, yeah. The, like I'm answering your question with your answer to say, like, yeah, I think I completely agree with you. His injury history is absolutely affecting the value right now. And it's actually turning. It's a little bit of a turnoff for Dynasty stuff, which I think he he's a guy I always want to try to buy in Dynasty because he's elite of the elite. But I don't right now because this is a massive problem. And. I'm a little bit worried the Rays might be a decent reason behind this. All right. Well, let's slide over to some waiver wire hitters. And I've got two outfielders up top here. One that we talked about earlier in the season that we were very excited about. Riley Green. He went one for four with his ninth home run. And in 20 games since returning from the IL, he is batting 333 with four home runs, 92.5 average exit velocity, 14% barrel rate, tons of line drives, doing exactly what we wanted from earlier on in the season, we said, just lift the ball, man. More line drives, more fly balls. Riley Green has done that, and he has been awesome. He's up to 79% rostered, so this is really shallow league stuff. 10-team leagues, points leagues, things like that. Lars Nupar went 2-4 for four with his 11th home run, and so far in the second half, 18 games, he is batting 349 with 6 home runs, 2 steals, and an 11-22 OPS. Welsh, who would you rather have, Riley Green or Lars Nupar? Come on, buddy. What are we doing here? What the are answer is here? both. <laughs> it's absolutely both right now. Um, I think Riley Green offers 
probably a better safety net when you, you start piecing together some of the underlying stuff. The bat, he's, he's a high batting average guy who's got a really good hard hit rate, which is in the 80, 87th percentile. He's got a barrel percentage over double digits, which is something obviously I'm looking for. But I'm going to say Lars Nupar. I'm going to say Lars Nupar here because Lars is absolutely connecting into everything that this is. This was the hope. And, um, you know, the stolen bases are a little bit more of a force here, I think, long term season. And I, I'm, a, I'm a Lars Nupar guy. You know, the walk percentage is up there. It's low K's. He's getting the barrel percentage up a little bit more. And, you know, he worked so hard in the offseason to, you know, last year was about barreling and this year was about lifting those barrels. He's healthy, he's comfortable. They're committed to him through the rest of the season. I think this is like 1A, 1B. I'll personally go new bar, but like Riley Green, this isn't a thing against Riley Green. Batting average is great. I just think maybe the counting stats lag a tiny bit behind Lars Nupar rest of season. I was going to say the same thing too, because the Cardinals are 12th in run scored. The Tigers are all the way down at 28th. So that is go. a yeah. massive difference there. Against right-handed pitching, Newbar has been leading off. So it just opens up the possibility for so many more counting stats. And, you know, it's funny. The more things change, the further we go throughout the season, things fluctuate, they go up and down. The more they change, they, they stay the same. Because coming into the year, breakout picks. Riley Green, Lars Nupar. Who do you want between the two? And here we are. It's August 3rd and we're talking about the same thing, right? So it's like, it's just funny. And like, what, like a out. month ago, everyone's like, man, how stupid was everybody for liking Riley Green and Lars Nupar? Riley Green's hurt and Lars Nupar, it's not working. And yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a full circle. We play with this game. Let me ask you one more. Chaz McCormick. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> where, Stop it. Where does he factor into that mix? Over the, over the past two months, he's been the best of the three. He might be. I know I gave a lot of dead air there. I apologize. It's all right. He might be the answer. I think it's Chaz. I don't want to say Chaz. I don't want it to be, but I'm really looking for approval. Uh, but no, it's also Chaz. I think it's Chaz. Like the stolen bases are a little bit of a better degree. I want it to be Lars. And I got to be honest with you. I don't know if I personally would pull the, if I had Lars Nupar and Chaz McCormick was on the wire, I don't know if I could even make that move. I'm finding someone else to do it. I'm going right. to find anybody else to to cut. But um, yeah, I think like if you you don't always want to, you can't, especially at this point of the season, you can't just play the like, well, this guy's going to be good the rest. You can't always play that. Chaz McCormick has been good and he's been good consistently. He's stealing bases at a better clip than both of these guys. Arguably, maybe not arguably, he's on a better offense where they're going to let him keep going. It's Chaz McCormick. I just didn't want to like easily say it. Uh, it's, uh, it's so close say with it. Newbar, man. It's so close. Wait, no, don't say it. Say someone else. So the chat's on my side. Though. I want to say Newbar, man. I, I, Do it. I'm just a sucker for Lars Newbar. But they're all in that yeah. right range. I, I'm going to update my rankings on Thursday. They're all going to be top 40 outfielders. They're Again, these are guys that, if they're available, if you have a struggling Teoscar Hernandez or, or Josh Lowe in a points league, yeah, go out, drop those guys, and, and pick up uh, one of Riley Green, Lars Newbar, or Chaz McCormick. Some catcher updates here. Gary Sanchez, three for four with a double dong, enjoying his time here in Coors Field. Has 14 home runs on the season with a 780 OPS. Uh, two multi-homer games in his last four outings for Gary Sanchez. Cal Raleigh, also starting to get hot. One for four with his 17th home run of the year. Yiner Diaz, two for four, and has started four of the past five games, even with Jordan Alvarez back in the lineup, which is something I wanted to watch because that was a concern. Once Alvarez is back, how does Yiner Diaz play? Does he catch more and they sit Martin Maldonado? We know that they value his you know, glove uh, behind the plate there. And obviously, I mean, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to rush to throw Jordan Alvarez out there in the outfield, but they're finding a way right now. Uh, Welsh, how would you rank those three? Raleigh, Sanchez, and Yiner Diaz. I was about to say, I'm like, you're going to ask me to rank these three, aren't you? <laughs> um, it's going to be Gary. <laughs> I know, I know. It's going to be Gary Sanchez at the bottom. I'm, you know what? I'll go. Diaz, Raleigh, and Sanchez. I just can't get, but like, cool. You hit two homers every eight days or every 10 days, Gary Sanchez. You get no hits in between. I can't stomach that, and I'm not here for that. I'll take uh, Yanner Diaz in that offense. Again, like focusing on that offense. Uh, the, the homer totals are great. The underlying stuff works in his favor. They're trying to get him playing time. I'll go with Yanir. I don't know if you feel different. I mean, obviously, Cal Raleigh might be the mix between these two, but yeah. I'll take the batting average guy. I think Raleigh might be the safest just because of the playing time. Yeah. While Yiner Diaz is playing a little bit more now, I, I still do kind of worry, like, is he going to find enough playing time? Um, but that's just me, I guess, splitting hairs between him and Raleigh. I do like Diaz, but I'll go Raleigh, Diaz, Sanchez in that order. Let me ask you then, do you think 
because we're having this conversation, we sh- we really should be thinking that we're living in a world where we're streaming catchers. Like, I feel like you're asking the question rest of season. But do you think if these are the options, these are rest of season options? Like, this is the guy or this is more like, give me the guy that's going now if they're really that different. Because I would rather go with the hotter guy and I, that would probably be Yanni right now. I'd rather take that risk. And then if he stinks, you just move on because this is probably a big, you could probably find like, six or seven other catchers that live in this little space of guys that you just pulled out. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're just better kind of streaming, not to like turn the question or whatever, but just also pointing out these might be, this might be more about streaming catchers than it is holding on to a guy rest of season. Yeah. This is purely, if you play in a one catcher league and the back end of the top 12 is, is kind of sketchy. I mean, Dalton Varsho has been an absolute disaster. Look, we're four months into the season. If you told me you wanted to drop Dalton Varsho in a one-catcher league for one of these guys and just ride the hot hand, I can't say no. He's been abysmal, and there's not really anything that shows that he's going to get better. Caber Ruiz, Tyler Stevenson, that's who I have at the back end of my top 12 rankings. If you just want to ride the hot hand with one of these three names, I have no problem with doing that. So there's going to be at least one team or two teams in a 12-team league that are struggling to find a catcher right now. So let's hit some news and notes quickly here. Corey Seager skipped a minor league rehab assignment and was activated on Wednesday out of nowhere. Love it. I mean, I wish we had sure. some kind of indication because, you know, we're, if you're playing a weekly league, you're just going to miss out on these stats. But uh, what do you know? He homered in his first game back. So welcome back, Corey Seager. Max Fried is on track to return Friday against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. He's been out since May 9th with a left forearm strain. Joe Musgrove, some bad bad news here as well. Scratched from Wednesday's start due to minor right shoulder soreness. For the time being, the Padres don't view Musgrove's shoulder as anything too serious and believes he will avoid the IL. Cross your fingers. Marcus you sure Stroman. About that? Yeah, you sure about that? Uh, Marcus Stroman placed on the IL with right hip inflammation, which might explain his recent struggles. The Cubs have already said Stroman will be ready when first eligible. So I think if anything, this kind of feels like a Clear your head, IL stint. You've been really bad recently. We'll see you in two weeks. Uh, Daniel Kramer of MLB.com reports that Andres Munoz is in line to serve as the Mariners' primary closer following the trade of Paul Sewald, and that's what we suspected on yesterday's podcast. But it is nice to hear from somebody else. And then what happened here on Wednesday? Munoz struck out two for his third save. They used him in the ninth inning. 54% rostered. Absolutely the biggest uh, must-add player in fantasy baseball right now, regardless of format, points league, categories league, 54%. Only 54%, Crazy. really? Get him on your team. Wow. Absolutely. I'm surprised there wasn't... Uh, I'm surprised we didn't see a lot of like proactive pickups. Uh, I would have been interested. I probably should have done this. Look at like the seven day pickup line on CBS, which, by the way, I think is like one of the most helpful pickup tools if you'd like to pay attention to, you know, the movement around leagues, you know, because everybody else is behind on CBS as far as usually the percentages are higher. But I'm surprised there wasn't a lot of uh, proactive moves going into the deadline, especially with the Mariners talking about moving and the rumors of Seawald and stuff. I'm actually shocked that it's under 70% on Munoz. That's crazy. So, yeah, pick the big, maybe the most uh, obvious pickup that is available in leagues. That's crazy. Yeah, to be totally honest, I heard the rumors that they could move Paul Seawald. I didn't believe it. I didn't really think that they would actually go through with it, but. I mean, here we are. <laughs> so, yes, go add Andres Munoz if he's available in your league. Trevor Story won't be activated off the IL Friday. He expressed a desire to remain at AAA to continue rehabbing. Jordan Rom- Yeah, I guess he's... He might it's very Eduardo Rodriguez of him. Like, nah, I don't want to go. Nah, I'm nah, not. Nah, I really guys. like it here. I'm going to hang out. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to hang out with my friend Chris Sale, and we're going to cut up some jerseys or do something crazy. <laughs> uh, Jordan Romano played catch on flat ground Wednesday, the first time he's picked up a baseball since landing on the IL with lower back inflammation. Speaking of Chris Sale, he's scheduled to make his next rehab start Sunday at AAA, and if all goes well, could return to the Red Sox after that outing. We haven't heard anything about O'Neill Cruz in quite a while, but apparently he could begin a rehab assignment later this month. He had surgery back on April 9th to repair his fractured left ankle. Frank, let me tell you something. Uh, the TGFBI leagues, I was down a little bit. I have made a wild run in my league. I'm second in my personal league. I have. I was like in the low 300s in like May, and I have right Why? Because I pre- proactively picked up Ellie De La Cruz, Christian Encarnacion Strand, got guys like Lars Newtbar, Chaz McCormick. I've made some good pickups, some good pitchers, but I drafted O'Neill Cruz. I am 
just like, please give me O'Neill Cruz for this last little push to make a big run because I didn't cut him. But I am really worried in that what that optimism was, you know, back in May that we could get him for, uh, you know, if you play in head to head like playoffs is looking a lot less likely we're going to even get him for that run. Maybe a small little run in Roto. Just the impact is not going to be there. kind of bums me out because I know he was throwing a couple weeks ago. But I have to imagine there's a full stent of rehab in front of him. So if we don't get that going in the next week, it's going to be pretty tough to even get him into early September. So that's, that's a bummer. Liam Hendricks underwent Tommy John surgery Wednesday, which means he won't be back until late 2024, if that. And it's obviously rough news for somebody who's overcome so much this year. So hoping for the best there with Liam Hendricks. Ryan Helsley faced hitters in live batting practice Wednesday. He's eligible to return from the IL next week, but still might need a rehab assignment. Domingo Herman, kind of crazy story here. Placed on the restricted list after agreeing to voluntarily submit to inpatient treatment for alcohol abuse. Uh, Herman has been at the center of quite a few off-field issues in the past, so hopefully he can turn his life around. It, it, it sounds pretty serious there on Domingo Herman. Josh yeah. Naylor has missed two straight with right side tightness. J.D. Martinez has missed two straight with left hamstring tightness. Brandon Nimmo has missed two straight with quad tightness. J.T. Rilamuto, old friend, has missed two straight with a cut on his right hand, and Justin Turner has also missed two straight with a left heel contusion. Nestor Cortez set to return this weekend against the Astros. Luis Severino is listed as the probable pitcher on Friday against the Astros as well. uh, Jack Flaherty will make his Orioles debut Thursday against the Blue Jays. Buxton was scratched with right hamstring tightness. Logan Ohapi on track to begin a rehab assignment next week. 25% rostered. If you play in a two-catcher league, go stash Logan Ohapi I'm also hoping it's here. Because I think he's been training here in Phoenix. It nice. wouldn't be atypical for him to not play a couple games. If he does, I'm going to run out and try to get some video. But uh, yes, he's a huge pickup right now in those catcher leagues. Uh, all those stupid catchers we talked about. I'd rather I'd rather stash Logan O'Hoppy. You know what? Get Yanir Diaz. Run him out for a week. Stash Logan O'Hoppy. So when Diaz struggles, you can throw him back in the lineup. And you'll be, you know, you'll be happy. You'll be super happy. Let's, Let's try to say an analogy. I'm horrible with analogy. I'll say is happy as rain, but that's not an analogy. What would that be is your, you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. an analogy in there. You'd be as something is something. And I don't know what it is. Are you an analogy guy? Not really. But the first one that came to mind was happy as a pig in, and I'll let you finish. That uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. But uh, there was something with rain. I couldn't get there, but we'll take yours. Yours is good. Ben Lively was placed in the IL with a right pectoral strain and people were tweeting asking Welsh, is it time to stash Connor Phillips because with Ben Lively on the IL, maybe he can get a shot. Uh, so far in this in the minors this year, 292 ERA, a 134 whip, 143 strikeouts over 92 and a third innings. He's 11% rostered. Well, should we be stashing Connor Phillips? Yeah, I think this is a really good stash. Uh, 100%. He's got to be on that line. They actually got Connor Phillips, you know, coming from the school of the Mariners pitchers. He's had a great run this year. The the whip numbers you do need to pay attention to, you know, 292 ERA, ERA is great, but a 134 whip does show some of the volatility that's out there. So a Reds pitcher, a home run centric with bad whip, I'd worry that the ratios might fall apart. So just don't immediately assume because he's had this great minor league run, he's going to be Andrew Abbott. But yeah, sure, he's a good stash because of it does work big strikeout numbers Connor Phillips is a good one of those probably top 10 about probably a top 10 uh, prospect to focus on if you're looking to stash right now all right let's take our final break when we return rapid fire we've got some waiver wire pitchers leftovers all that fun stuff right after this when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. 
This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome back. Let's talk waiver wire pitchers. We mentioned earlier Grayson Rodriguez. He's at the top of the list here. Other names, Mackenzie Gore turned in his first quality start since June 3rd. That's right. It only took him two months to get it done. But six innings, two runs, five strikeouts for him. Velocity down across the board. Feels like that happened to Mackenzie Gore last year as well. Does uh, look like he's in line for the A's and at the Phillies next week. So some pretty good matchups there. For Mackenzie Gore, Cutter Crawford, solid start at the Mariners. Five shutout innings with five strikeouts for him. Uh, and eh, two deeper league names. I'll save those for later. Welsh, how do you rank this group? Grayson Rodriguez, Mackenzie Gore, and Cutter Crawford. Right is rain. That's what I was trying to say. Right is rain. Doesn't make any sense, but right is rain. All right, Mackenzie Gore. Who was my other one? Gra- uh, was it Grayson, Mackenzie Gore, and Crawford? Is that what you gave me? Yep. Grayson. Cutter, Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore is still a very young pitcher. I actually would take the opportunity in Dynasty Leagues while he is on a struggle bus to buy because I've loved a lot of what he's done this season. But, you know, the wear and tear, full season run, I think he's kind of coming to a close. I like what Cutter Crawford's been doing, uh, especially from a strikeout basis. But it is like Grayson and then it's Cutter and maybe Gore in like their own little tier. All right. And with Cutter Crawford, two starts next week. It looks like he's in line four. It does not get better than this. Kansas City and Detroit. So if Cutter Crawford is in the rotation for both of those starts, Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock are getting ready to start rehab assignments. I don't think they'll be back by next week. But man, if Cutter Crawford gets both of those matchups, it doesn't get better. So uh, yeah, yeah, if you're just trying to beat the waiver wire for a two-star week, the, the name there, Cutter Crawford. Two pitchers in deeper leagues. Dakota Hudson pitched well against the Twins. Seven innings, three runs with seven strikeouts and has had some fantasy value in the past. It's been, you know... Pitching to contact, not a lot of whiffs, so I don't know how much faith we want to put in him. Uh, Cole Reagans, who is on the Royals, he turned in a great start up against the Mets with a uh, a very bad Mets lineup. I mean, the back half of this lineup, they had names in there. I, I didn't even know who they were, so it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, good start for Cole Reagans. Six shutout innings with eight strikeouts and 13 swinging strikes. I know he's had all kind of crazy strikeout numbers down in the minors, but also lots of walks as well. So we're talking very deep leagues here, Welsh, but any interest in Dakota Hudson or Cole Reagans? In the best rapid fire I can give you, no. Like, really not. Definitely not Cole Reagans um, on that team. So def- definitely huge no. <laughs> Dakota Hudson, if it's against, like, if it's a really good matchup, maybe. But overall, if I can pull my Scott White, no interest. Yeah, and the matchups for both of those two next week, Hudson at Tampa Bay, Reagans at the Red Sox. Doesn't look good for either of those. Pitching no. leftovers, Dane Dunning does not want to leave the Rangers rotation. He refuses to do so, actually. Stood. Because he was amazing against the White Sox. Seven and two-thirds innings, one run, 11 strikeouts, with 14 swinging strikes. And he's had some really big performances this year. I know a few seven, eight-inning outings there from uh, Dane Dunning. He's kind of defying the odds, not many whiffs, um, pitching a contact, but the overall numbers this year, really, really good. He's still 80% rostered. I don't know that there's much actionable here, Welsh, but do you think this will be enough for Dane Dunning to stick around in the Rangers rotation? Yes, and I think you could maybe make arguments of Dane Dunning or Lucas Giolito based on matchups. I think that's where you're at. Though I will say this. I would love for someone to find this. Find me a lower whiff percentage on a pitch that is used 30% or more in an arsenal because Dane Dunning sinker has a six and a half whiff percentage. I don't know if there's a lower whiff percentage on a pitch used that much in all of baseball. The strikeouts are anomalies. You know, I think his uh, prop was three and a half today. That's where he lives. He's just not his big strikeout option, but again, it's a good offense. He can pitch to contact and uh, he can make it work for himself. But he also has a 4.87, I believe, expected ERA, which is a run and a half higher than he is. So you're always worried it's going to blow up. But maybe he's just going to define the odds all year. I do like me some Dane Dunning, but please, somebody find me a worse whiff pitch with that type of usage in baseball. It's back-to-back starts here with Andrew Heaney and Dane Dunning. Both of these guys kind of shoving all in. And, you know, they don't want to get the boot from the rotation. Next up, Martin Perez. Let's see what you got, man. Because if he struggles, he mm-hmm. might be the one on the outside no, looking in. he's the in. one. He's the one yeah. that goes for sure. Yeah, I think so. Uh, some other pitching leftovers here. Eduardo Rodriguez, quality start at the Pirates. You know, no LA, no problem. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts for him. Zach Wheeler, uh, quality start at the Marlins. Six innings, two runs, four strikeouts there. Uh, Garrett Cole gave up a 
first inning home run and then settled down quite a bit. Seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts against Tampa Bay. And Yusei Kikuchi, he is on a roll right now, uh, facing a tough offense in the Orioles. Six innings, one run, three strikeouts. He's got the ERA down to 367. The whip, still pretty high, 127 there for Kikuchi, but he's pitched pretty well. Uh, Welsh, any thoughts here? Kikuchi, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, and Erod. Uh, yeah, Erod, I'm getting annoyed with Erod. There, there's something has changed in his game. He really lacks what he had early on in the year of like aggressive two strike strikeout stuff. Like he's just not, he's pitching, I feel like he's pitching to a lot more contact. He never hits the over on the K prop. Um, he gets out early, it just muddies, and then he gets one or two. And I just feel like, especially when the ball count comes up, so let's say he gets to 0-2, then he's pitching to contact, and then it gets to a 3-2 count. He's not looking for a big strikeout. He's looking to just pitch to contact. And I don't know, like I just don't feel like that's awesome, sustainable. I would love for him to have a bigger strikeout numbers. I obviously don't want him to give up big runs, so it's you'll play safe, and sometimes you have to pitch a contact. I'm just not in love with that. The rest of the guys, I think it's... Uh, Pretty standard where we're at. Cole Wheeler, Wheeler's a, probably a cool buy in fantasy. If you still have your trade deadline in front of you, that would be someone I would try to buy on whatever low he's being sold at right now. I agree 100%. I think Zach Wheeler, I still have him ranked as, I think, my seventh starting pitcher rest of season. I, I think we could see a big final two months from him. Yeah. Last name I wanted to mention here, Kodai Senga, who Oof. goes into Kansas City, supposed to be a good matchup. He gives up 11 hits, three runs over five and two-thirds innings, and... You know, still got a decent amount of strikeouts and, and swinging strikes. The velocity, fastball velo down 2.3 miles per hour. The cutter down one mile per hour here as well. Eh, Welsh, any concern here on uh, the velocity on Kodai Senga? I am a little bit worried. Similar to like going back to that splitter thing. I mean, the, the, the fork ball for him just works, but it's kind of now the inverse where he had 17 swings on the fastball. Donut. On the whiffs, no whiffs whatsoever. Uh, there were some called strikes, which got to the CSW percentage up to 21%. But his top used pitches, that cutter and that fastball, they just ain't doing it. Had an outside the zone swing percentage of 13% on the cutter. So between not getting whiffs on the fastball, no one swinging on the outside of the zone on the cutter, you're just back to just throwing this fork. And I don't love that. And maybe some of it is like adjusting to, you know, the full season MLB baseball and wearing down a tiny bit and trying to, you know, hit zones a little bit more and not trying to strike out 12 every at bat. But I don't like the velo dip. Uh, watch that. I'm going to monitor that because that is worrisome. Of course, we all know that is. And uh, immediately, this is me overreacting and jumping to conclusions, but the Mets clearly, they were sellers. They're not playing for much here in the second half. This is a prized possession that they have for on a five-year contract. You know, by the time we get to September, you know, it's do they shut them down at some point? Do they maybe move them to the bullpen? I'm not wish casting this, but I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility. It wouldn't surprise me if if something like that happens here. Yeah, you can see them even go and be like, hey, let a little bit off. Don't worry about that. Let a little bit off if you have to. Don't overstrain here. Don't pull a McClanahan. Don't try to add (laughs) two and a half on your slider right now. Just take it down a little bit. We don't like that. Do not like it. Some hitting leftovers here. Welsh, I'm just going to list off a bunch of things. Feel free to jump in wherever you want to. The Braves, they just keep on mashing. We mentioned what they did to poor Lucas Giolito. Ronald Acuna went three for four with his 25th home run. Austin Riley and Matt Olson, they went back to back. 25th for Riley, 37th for Matt Olson. Michael Harris stays hot, three for four with a double, two RBI, and three runs scored. Two days in a row now, the Cubs clobbered the Cincinnati Reds. They scored 16 runs on 16 hits. Ian Happ has been very mid, as the kids would say, for most of the <laughs> season. But, you know, he's had a big game here, two for four with a double dong. Christopher Morell, two for five with his 17th home run. Dansby Swanson, one for five. With his 16th home run, I think that's now six homers in 11 games since coming back from the IL. Uh, And Jamer Candelario, back-to-back four-hit games to begin his Cubs career. Looking like a great acquisition so far. Hassan Kim's shoulder looks to be just fine. He went two for three with his 15th home run. The dude has turned into a complete stud here, Welsh. 284 batting average, 838 OPS, 15 homers, 22 steals, stud. Yeah, and this is like... I do, you know, I'm going to take all those victory laps, but like the way I had him ranked in my first year player when he was coming out back then, I feel very vindicated. I've lost some, Victor Victor Mesa's, and you win some. Sometimes it takes a long term. I meant to say this earlier, last 30 days, a couple names I wanted to throw at you. Lars Nupar, 
eighth best war in baseball, hitting 322, five homers, two stolen bases. Number five, Chaz McCormick in war. Five, fifth best war in baseball over that period of time. Six homers, three stolen bases, 329. Where are we going? The fourth best war. Hassan Kim. Hassan Kim has been a monster. He has four homers, nine stolen bases, a higher walk percentage than strikeout, hitting 349, a 345 slash over the last 30 days. Monster. Yeah, I just looked it up. Hassan Kim has the sixth highest war in the National League this year. On the year. I just On gave you 30 year. days. Wow. On the year. The only names ahead of him Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, and Corbin Carroll. Five that's names. Cr- wow, yeah. that's crazy. By the way, in the last 30 days, top four in war, all NL. So, mm. there you go. Interesting. Uh, Juan Soto, by the way, we just mentioned his name, enjoying himself some Coors Field, two for five with his 23rd home run. He now has three home runs over his last two games. Huge game for Anthony Volpe. I was thinking about this as a Yankee fan. I, I don't really care what they do rest of the year. I, I don't have many high hopes or expectations for them. The one thing I do want to see is Anthony Volpe play well? Yeah, I'd like. What to would see you some- do? What would you do if he ended the year with a two forty batting average? I mean, you would like go yeah. out celebrate. You're buying <laughs> rounds if you could get a two forty batting average because that means dude's probably hitting two ninety the rest of the way. That is yeah. exactly what you need. That's what I yeah. want to see because those counting stats are crazy. You just want to see that batting average come up and pull two months or six weeks of consistent contact, good barreling, and good decisions the rest of the year, so we can go in and make him a sleeper next year. 14 home runs and 20 steals. The batting average is abysmal, but he's on pace for like a 20-30 season as a rookie, which is yeah. it's pretty crazy stuff there for uh, for Anthony Volpe. Uh, Jordan Walker hit his 10th home run. I mentioned that earlier. Freddie Freeman, three more hits for him. Just crazy season for him. Uh, 339 batting average, 21 homers, 14 steals, and a 10.04 OPS. Some bullpen updates here and... There were some wacky ones. Let's get into it. The Tigers, Alex Lang started the ninth inning with a four-run lead. He struck out the first two batters and then walk, single, walk, walk. He was relieved by Tyler Holton, who got the final out and picked up his first save. The Tigers have been oddly you know, loyal, I guess, to Alex Lang this year. I, I just wonder if maybe they'll give Jason Foley a shot and... I'm I'm con- I'm saying that because I have Jason Foley stash in a few deeper leagues. So <laughs> let's go, Jason Foley. Uh, for the Brewers, Devin Williams, old friend of uh, the Welsh's here, entered the ninth inning with a one-run lead. Uh, first batter reached on an error and then a single walk and two runs scored on another error. So not really Devin Williams' fault, but third mm. blown save and third loss of the season. Still kind of forgettable. I mean, I'd argue still might be kind of for Devin Williams kind of forgettable off that performance, Frank. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, for those who saw Fantasy Feud last week, you know exactly what we're talking about. For the Astros, <laughs> Ryan Presley struck out two for his 26th save. The Phillies, this one was kind of interesting. Back and forth here between the Phillies and Marlins. For some reason, they go to Gregory Soto in the ninth inning with a one-run lead. Craig Kimbrell should have been available. Maybe they Went with Soto because Luisa Rise was leading off. Maybe they wanted that left-on-left matchup. Uh, regardless, Soto gave up a game-tying home run to Jorge Soler. Um, so cool. there goes that. And then the Phillies took a two-run lead in the 10th inning. Uh, Craig Kimbrell comes on for the save. He gives up two runs, and he takes the blown save. The Phillies would eventually lose the game. On the other side for the Marlins, uh, David Robertson pitched in the top of the 10th inning with the game tied. He gave up a two-run homer to Brandon Marsh. That's now back-to-back games giving up a home run, rough start to David Robertson's Marlins career. For the Blue Jays, in their first save opportunity without Jordan Romano and with Jordan Hicks on the team, it was Eric Swanson who got the ninth inning, picked up his third save. Jordan Hicks pitched in the eighth inning in that one. For the Cardinals, no more Jordan Hicks. Uh, They had a four-run lead. Jojo Romero uh, pitched in the ninth inning. He struck out two. Not a save opportunity, but... I just thought it was worth noting that he pitched in the ninth inning instead of Giovanni Gallegos. And for the Giants, Camilo Duvall, 32nd save of the year, ties the league lead with Alexis Diaz. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Thursday here. And looking up and down the list. I'll go Michael Lorenzen. I'll take uh, the debut against the Marlins, I think, with Michael Lorenzen. I think that's fine. Uh, there's not really anyone else I really like do, it, do i say brandon fought against the giants giants been a little eh brandon fought kind of finding himself a little bit it is maybe? a big ballpark to pitch in how many how many home runs how many home runs will brandon fought give up in, in oracle park tomorrow let's uh, i don't know uh i, don't I, know. I, don't I might really, go those two 
I don't really like any. Of, I, I, I like Lorenzen. Yeah, I, I think he's fine, but. Isn't that sad that we can't do a, like a woo? Like we're not wooing anymore. Yeah, Brian, it's like a woo at mm-hmm. the Angels. Yeah, I guess if you need a third, but I don't really love it. Mm-hmm. On Friday, Kyle Hendricks has pitched really well, but the Atlanta Braves pitching to contact, no way. No way. I can't I can't do it. Um No. Maybe Zach um Littell against Zach Littell Detroit. At the Tigers, yeah. Uh, I might do that. Ashcraft has pitched well. He's facing the Nationals. Logan Allen versus Chicago, maybe? I might go Allen and Littell. Those are my and I'm kind of staring at Reed Detmers too. Those are the three yeah. I'm staring at. I will go Littell, Ashcraft, and Detmers. Those are my three for Friday. Um okay. But it sounds like the Welsh here is taking Logan Allen as well. We're going to wrap there for the Welsh. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.